0: Good evening and welcome to our evenings here at Beckles Baptist Church. My privilege to welcome you as we meet um, both here in the building and online to worship and praise our Lord Jesus to hear him speak to us. My name is Tom Fenning. I serve as the pastor of this church and I'm thrilled to be able to welcome you um, as we gather together, whether you're meeting us physically or meeting with us online. It's great to have you here. Um, As we do at the beginning of each of our services, we just take time to go around the room to welcome everybody, uh, realizing that there's much less opportunity to mingle and chat before and after the service than there would be ordinarily. So we'll just go around and welcome people. Josh, thank you for playing along with Peter as people have come on in, Um, great to have you here. Kev, welcome, and Malcolm and Kelly, Paul, Missing Jane at the moment, who's been welcoming us in as we come in, um, as have Roger and Jill been the welcome party. Then on the desk, we've got Nick and Charlie and Anna, welcome. Um, then Beth, who's been hard at work all week, getting Sunday school and creche ready to go. We had a good morning this morning. Thank you, Beth, for all that you've done. Barry and Linda, lovely to have you here. Sandra, welcome. Ruth, Adrian, welcome. Lovely to have you here. Deirdre, um, good evening. Peter, and Liz, and Ivan, and then we've had Roger and Jill making sure we're sat in the right places as we've come on in too. Um, and for all those tuning in online, welcome, um, may you and may we know God's blessing as we meet and worship the Lord Jesus this evening. We're going to begin with some verses from the Bible, um, verses that we would have read today if we're following along in our church Bible reading from Ephesians chapter 4 says this, speaking of how the Lord Jesus has given his people exactly what they need. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The Lord Jesus desires that we grow up to be like him, to be people of maturity and godliness, and he has given us all that we need. He's given us his word, his spirit, and he's given us one another as we gather together and as we see his word open, read, and proclaimed. We're going to begin by um, praying now, pleading for God's mercy and help for us as we meet as his people. We thank you, our Father and our God, for your amazing kindness to us in the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you not only have given us him, you've not only given us your spirit, you've also given us the apostles and prophets, the ones who have written the scriptures, that you've given us leaders in this church to serve, care for and encourage us. You've given us one another and we want to thank you and pray that you would richly encourage us as we gather together this evening. Our Father, please, please, would you have great mercy upon us, so to speak clearly to each of us and to make us ever more like your Son, so that we would be people found mature and godly, looking much like Christ. Father, please, would you strengthen and encourage us with all that we need, As we gather as your people, would you forgive us our sins and would you encourage us in your service? These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to um, listen to a song. Um, Those in the building, you're welcome to hum along to this song. Um, Those at home, you're liberated to sing as loud as you please or as loud as your neighbours can cope with um, as we sing and hum and listen to Come People of the Risen King, a song that urges us to be people who rejoice in all that God has won for us.
1: Love the risen King, who delight to bring Him praise. Come all, and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of grace. From the shifting shadows of the earth, we will lift thanks to Him. Where steady arms of mercy reach to gather children in, rejoice, rejoice. Let every tongue rejoice, one heart, one voice. For Church of Christ, rejoice. And those whose joy is mornin' sun, and those weeping through the night. And those who tell the this won, and those struggling in the fight. For His perfect love will never change, and His mercies never cease. But follow us through all our days with the certain hope of peace. Rejoice, rejoice! Let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, O oh Church of Christ, rejoice! Come young and old from every land, men and women of the faith. Come those with full or empty hands, by the riches of His grace.
2: Over all the
1: world His people sing Sure, sure, we hear them call. The truth that cries to every age God is all in all.
2: Rejoice,
1: rejoice Let every tongue rejoice One heart one voice, O oh, Church of Christ,
3: rejoice. Rejoice,
1: rejoice. rejoice. Let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, O oh, Church of Christ, rejoice.
0: and the song we thought would never end does come to a close does come to a close we're going to spend some time reading the bible now i'm going to invite roger and jill to come and bring our bible reading um if you've got a church bible please do join with me on page 292 we're going to be continuing this evening in our series in 1 Samuel looking at chapter 20 Um, the words will come up on the screen as well for the reading um, as we go along and then after Roger and Jill have read um, then Peter Skerritt our assistant pastor will come and preach to us
4: One Samuel chapter twenty, beginning at the first verse. Then David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, "What have I done? What is my crime? How have I wronged your father that he is trying to kill me?" Never, Jonathan replied, "You are not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without letting me know. Why should he hide this from me? It isn't so." But David took an oath and said, Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he said to himself, Jonathan must not know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, Whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So David said, look, tomorrow is the new moon feast and I am supposed to dine with the king but let me go and hide in the field until the evening of the day after tomorrow. If your father misses misses me at all, tell him, David earnestly asked my permission to hurry to Bethlehem, his hometown because an annual sacrifice is being made there for his whole clan. If he says very well, then your servant is safe. But if he loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. As for you, show kindness to your servant, for you have brought him into a covenant with you before the Lord. If I am guilty, then kill me yourself. Why hand me over to your father? Never, Jonathan said, if I had the least ink. Linkling, that my father was determined to harm you, wouldn't I tell you? David asked, who will tell me if your father answers you harshly? Come, Jonathan said, let's go out into the field. So they went there together. Then Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, that I will surely sound out by my father by this time the day after tomorrow. If he is favorably disposed towards you, will I not send you word and let you know? But if my father intends to harm you, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely. If If I do not let you know and send you away in peace, may the Lord be with you as he has been with my father but show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness as long as I live, that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David Reaffirm his oath out of love for him, because he loved him as he loved himself.
5: Then Jonathan made a covenant. Sorry, then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon feast. You will be missed because your seat will be empty. The day after tomorrow, towards evening, go to the place where you hid when this trouble began and wait by the stone Ezel. I will shoot three arrows to the side of it, as though I was shooting at a target. Then I will send a boy and say, go find the arrows. If I say to him, look, the arrows are on this side of you, bring them here, then come, because as surely as the Lord lives, you are safe, there is no danger. But if I say to the boy, look, the arrows are beyond you, then you must go, because the Lord has sent you away. And about the matter you and I discussed, Remember, the Lord is witness between you and me forever. So David hid in the field, and when the new moon feast came, the king sat down to eat. He sat in his customary place by the wall opposite Jonathan, and Abner sat next to Saul, but David's place was empty. Saul said nothing that day, for he thought something must have happened to David to make him ceremonially unclean. Surely he's unclean. But the next day, the second day of the month, David's place was again empty. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Why hasn't the son of Jesse come to the meal, either yesterday or today? Jonathan answered, David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, Let me go, because our family is observing a sacrifice in the town, and my brother has ordered me to be there. If I found favor in your eyes, let me go to see my brother's. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. He said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Why should he be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father. But Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Then Jonathan knew that his father intended to kill David. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger. On that second day of the feast he did not eat, because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. In the morning Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David. He had a small boy with him and he said to the boy, run and find the arrows I shoot. As the boy ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the boy came to the place where Jonathan's arrow had fallen, Jonathan called out after him. Isn't the arrow beyond you? Then he shouted, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. The boy picked up the arrow and returned to his master. The boy knew nothing about all this, only Jonathan and David knew. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to the boy and said, Go carry them back to town. After the boy gone, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. Then they kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, by saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Then David left, and Jonathan went back to the town. May God bless his word to our hearts.
2: Thank you very much. Good evening, it's great to be with you. Let me pray uh, that we would know God's love as we come to this passage. Father, we again want to thank you off the back of this morning for that reminder of your Holy Spirit given to us to pour out your love in our hearts. We pray that you would cause us to love you more. You know that we love you, and yet uh, we long to love you more and to know more of your love for us. So please open our our eyes to see, uh, but please warm our hearts from what we hear today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I won't have um, escaped your notice that at the moment we are obviously facing uh, the, the coronavirus pandemic. And yet many people at this, this time are actually talking about something else that we're struggling with, uh, what they're calling a loneliness epidemic. Many of us, many we know, will be feeling desperately lonely, or actually perhaps just af- afraid of being lonely at some point in our lives. Uh, we, we long for that friend, maybe the friend that we once had, uh, the friend that we could have, the friend that we've never had. That person, you know those kind of people who, who come along and, and they somehow manage to kind of dispel those clouds of gloom and darkness, and you long for that kind of friend. We've got good news tonight, because we can have that kind of friend. That's what we're going to see, good news tonight. Um, In this passage that uh, Roger and George just read for us, we have three main players that we just need to get our heads around who they are. We've got uh, David, who's going to be the future king, chosen by God. On the other hand, you've got, on the other side, in the other corner, you've got Saul, who's the current king, chosen by the people but rejected by God. And then stuck in the middle, we have Jonathan. Jonathan is both the son of Saul and the friend of David. Three main players and quite a confusion uh, in this episode. Three main players that give us two main themes that we're going to look at for the rest of this evening. Two promises, really, for anyone who is tied to the king. Devotion and division. And the first we're going to look at is devotion. The devotion of friends in verses 1 through 23. This devotion of friends uh, is set against the backdrop of danger. you, You can't miss it at the beginning. First few verses... David is on the run and he comes running from Naoth, Ramah, to his friend Jonathan. And he's in danger. He's insisting that Saul has got, got it in for him. He's saying, What have I done wrong? And Jonathan actually is a little bit doubtful at first. In verse 2, it, it seems to be that what is he, he says, Never. Jonathan can't get his head around the fact that his dad might be planning something that he hasn't told him. But despite his doubt, Jonathan is devoted. In verse 4, what does he say to David? Even though he's not convinced, in verse 4 he says, David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it for you. He is devoted. And that's really what kind of cues up the whole of the rest of this passage. We have two plans that they concoct together, or one big plan with two parts. And we're going to call them Operation Empty Seat and Operation Target Practice. Operation Empty Seat is in verses 5 to 8. And the plan here is simply to to sound out Saul, to work out what he's got planned. The plan is very simple. This kind of monthly meal that they usually have, David is to leave an empty seat. Very simple. Uh, Jonathan's to give the excuse, uh, Daddy said something about a family meal back in Bethlehem. That's where David is. And Saul's response is crucial. That's what they're looking for. Verse 7, David says as they talk about this plan, he says, if Saul says, very well, then your servant David is safe. But if Saul loses his temper, you can be sure that he is determined to harm me. Saul's anger is the indicator. If he kind of shrugs his shoulders, oh, okay, David's gone to Bethlehem, no problem. If he's angry, well, that's a pretty firm indicator that David is in trouble. That's Operation Empty Seat, sounding out Saul. But later on, These two friends, David and Jonathan, come up with another plan because they need to let David know. If he's left an empty seat, how are they going to know? Operation target practice, which is verses 18 uh, through to 23. And it's very simple. Again, Jonathan is to take his bow and arrows out to a field to have some target practice. And we'll see a bit later. Where the arrows land reveals how Saul responded. So these friends are devoted from the off. But what is the aim of both these operations? But one thing we've already said is to to sound out Saul. But I think more likely it is to remove Jonathan's doubt. Because he's a bit sceptical. He's not sure that his dad means that badly. But if I was David, I'm wondering uh, how long it would take for me to realise after three spears being thrown at me and three groups of assassins being sent after me, whether someone might possibly have it in for me. I don't think David needs any confirming here. I think it's Jonathan that needs to be shown. His dad has it in for David. So he's trying to remove this doubt that Jonathan might have. But at the same time, for us, and crucially tonight, it reveals Jonathan's devotion. It reveals the devotion of friends. And that's the the middle section, is David and Jonathan go out in a field and they speak to each other. Because David has already asked Jonathan to show kindness to him. In verse 8, he says, show kindness to me, be loyal to me. And now it's Jonathan's turn. It's out in the field, talking about what could happen. Jonathan asks David to show him kindness. Look down at verse 14. If you've not looked in a Bible, the little number is the verse number. Verse 14, Jonathan says this to David. "Like David, whatever happens, whatever turns out, verse 14, show me unfailing kindness like the Lord's kindness, as long as I live, so that I may not be killed. And do not ever cut off your kindness from my family, not even when the Lord has cut off every one of David's enemies from the face of the earth. Jonathan is seeking devotion from David. He's saying, show kindness to me, show loyal love, faithful love. Continue to be my friend, my committed friend. Will you? Do you promise? Will you, David? He's seeking devotion from David and he's showing it to David. He carries on, verse 16. Jonathan made a covenant, a commitment, a binding com- commitment, a binding relationship with the house of David, saying, May the Lord call David's enemies to account. And Jonathan made David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as he loved himself. Do you see the devotion of friends? David to Jonathan, Jonathan to David. And for Jonathan, you might want to say, well, okay, it's just a simple bit of mathematics, a kind of a logical conclusion. If you look what he says in um, verses 14 to 17, he's clearly convinced that, that this David will be the king. Whatever his dad claims, David will be the king. David will have certain dominion. David's enemies will certainly be destroyed. Well, the simple mathematics of that is is as easy as two plus two. One plus one. One plus one. Certain dominion plus certain destruction for your enemies. There's one decision you've got to make, which is to tie yourself to this king. And and that's what Jonathan does. He says, don't forget me. He makes a covenant with this king. Simple maths. And actually, just a, a bit of a side point for us. We would do well, each one of us, to bear this kind of gospel mathematics in mind when you take God's certain king, the Lord Jesus, and the certain destruction of anyone who stands in his way, then there can only be one obvious result, one obvious action, which is to get right with him. Maybe some of us need that gospel mathematics tonight. Jonathan got it right. But Jonathan's doing more than this. For Jonathan and David, it's not like this, um, it's not just pure cold mathematics. He gets a calculator and kind of works out what the right thing is to do. It's not a logical calculation, just they're devoted because they're friends. They're friends. Yet yeah, Jonathan, is, he is submitting here to his future king. He says, you know, uh, the Lord, may the Lord call David's enemies to account. You know, show kindness to me when all your enemies are wiped out of the earth. He's submitting to his future king, but he's also sticking with his friend. Sticking with his friend. Now, in our society, I suspect, I think, that most of what we call friendship uh, doesn't really bear, well, it's not worthy of the name friendship. I think the Bible has much higher stake for what friendship is. And I wonder whether you have experienced that in life, actually. <laughs> That what people have called friends, people who are so-called friends to you, have not really been any kind of friend at all. Consider the the Bible's kind of blueprint, God's blueprint for friendship, and laid out in the book of Proverbs. Here are a couple of Proverbs. uh, It's kind of snippy, snappy summaries of what a friend should be. Uh, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Another one. One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. This is God's blueprint for for real friendship, which seems very alien, doesn't it? This friendship, uh, a friend is uh, in some places equivalent to a brother. And in other places, deeper than being a brother, closer. Do we know anything like this friendship in our society? Uh, I was just mulling on this just this afternoon, thinking, actually... I think because as a society we've kind of fallen so far short of that idea of friendship, I think that's why a lot of people want to see in Jonathan and David some kind of sexual relationship going on. Tom dealt with that last week, if you want to look that up on YouTube. Uh, but the fact is, w- w- why we, most people seem to think that there's this kind of sexual relationship going on is because we can't conceive of any kind of relationship, any kind of intimacy that isn't sexual. And I think as Tom said last week, that's actually more a statement on our society rather than David and Jonathan. Intimacy doesn't have to be sexual. And we've got this all wrong. These guys are great friends, not just friends closer than brothers. That's the Bible's blueprint for friendship. And David and Jonathan are the prime example. What a beautiful example of friendship, devoted friendship. As they go out to this field, what are they plotting to do? Well, actually, Jonathan is ignoring what his dad is threatening, and he sided with his, his friend. And they're plotting to save life. It your mind back, if you know your Bible, right back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 4, where two other brothers went out into a field, Cain and Abel. One brother plotting to kill the other brother. And when Cain does the deed, kills his brother, just shrugs his shoulders. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, how different are David and Jonathan? Two brothers out in the field plotting to save each other and to stick with each other. They are each other's keepers. They are the anti Cain, they are true friends, closer than a brother. This is the kind of devoted friendship that God puts before us in the Bible with David and Jonathan. And at this point, we've just got to stop and say, well, who wouldn't want this kind of friendship? Who wouldn't want this devotion of friends like this to have a Jonathan or a David in your life? Or to be a David and a Jonathan to someone else? Who wouldn't want that? It's beautiful. And beneficial. We, we can't skim over that. I mean, talk about this kind of friendship. Yeah, you stand to gain so much from a friendship like this. Uh, look at David and Jonathan. They are friends who will stand with each other, stand up for each other, support each other, strengthen each other. And they don't just stand up for each other. They will happily, would a friend like this, would sit down with you and just sit with you and suffer with you. That's true friendship. That's the, the Bible's blueprint for what friendship should look like. And David and Jonathan show you that. You gain so much from a friendship like this. You also lose a lot if you don't have a friendship like this. You stand to lose a lot. That was brought to my attention this week, actually, as sadly, it seems to be yet another celebrity um, Christian, internationally famous preacher and evangelist um, was exposed again. It turns out that, uh, like lots of people, this guy had skeletons in his closet which were just waiting to come out. And I'm sure there were many factors behind uh, what happened, his behaviour. But one comment was made uh, in an article on him which said this, he had no friends. You stand to lose a lot without this kind of friendship because sin and sadness both flourish in this kind of isolation. Jonathan and David they needed each other. Sherlock needed his Watson. Yeah. Frodo needed Samwise Gamgee. David needed Jonathan. We need others. The Christian life's not meant to be lived on our own. I uh, think actually that blokes are Are particularly bad at this we we have mates and acquaintances even friends in church and yet not necessarily friendships like this but I'm not just aiming at the blokes I think this is something that we all struggle with and need and that's why I'm putting yourself in a situation like men's breakfasts or women's meals and meetings uh, or getting on the phone to someone you're, you're putting yourself out there in the hope that you will be a David and a Jonathan and you will find these kind of friendships. Uh, just as one side point before we kind of move on, uh, some of you may be thinking, Well, wow, look around me. There's no one my age, no one my stage. Who am I supposed to be friends with like David and Jonathan? Now, it's true that Jonathan uh, was like a brother to David. But guess what? He was old enough to be his father. Jonathan, from the calculations, is over 30 years older than David. So age and stage, they're actually not a barrier whatsoever to this kind of friendship. It's possible. So I hope that's left you just thinking, I, I want this kind of friendship, uh, but I really need it too. And I'm going to push that even further. Because I said we had good news. And the good news is not simply that you need friends. The good news is that we have the Lord Jesus. If you are following the Lord Jesus, if you know him tonight, you have a greater friend than this, a greater David with a greater Devotion. So if you're a Christian, Jesus is your king. It's your privilege to serve him as your king. But it's more than that. We don't just get to serve Jesus as our king. We get to love him as our friend. And he serves us as our king. And he loves us as his friend. He's a friend who is not aloof and like disinterested and will occasionally reply to your messages. He's not someone who will just kind of use you and then move on or find a better friend. He's not someone who will just, well, he, he won't abandon you. He will stick with you and he will listen to you and he'll suffer with you. And do you know what? Even better, he actually delights to spend time with you. Because I reckon, like me, many of you think he simply puts up with you. We you look at him in the Gospels with sinners and sufferers, that's the Jesus now who delights to be the friend of sinners. The friend of you and me. Devotion, friendship, if you've got the Lord Jesus, you've got it in bucketful. It's a beautiful thing, this devotion of friends. But we can't close there because it's also a dangerous thing. We see that the devotion of friends actually leads to, in this passage, the division of families. The division of families. This is verse 24 through to the end. Uh, In verse 24, Operation Empty Seat begins as... uh, The meal, this regular monthly meal happens. David leaves on the first night in an empty seat. And the first night passes without comment. Uh, Saul seems to assume the best. Maybe David's, um, something's up with him. He can't be here. Second night, Saul's thinking, where's David. Jonathan gives the excuse, oh, always he told me some family, family thing. Jonathan plays the part with a plum, don't you think? I think he expands on what David told him to say. He's enjoying the role. And the result is what was expected, if not what was desired. Verse 30. Look down there. Little number 30. Saul's anger flared up at Jonathan. And he said to him, you son of a perverse and rebellious woman, don't I know that you have sided with the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of the mother who bore you? As long as the son of Jesse lives on this earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. Now send someone to bring him to me, for he must die. Saul flips a lid. He's cursing and cussing everywhere because the devotion of friends has led to the division of family. For one thing, as he looks at Jonathan, he, he disowns him as his son. You, you son of a perverse woman. You're not mine. And then he denounces him as a traitor. You have sided with the son of Jesse. Look, Saul doesn't call him my son-in-law or David. He's a son of Jesse. Saul will have nothing to do with him now. And Jonathan has joined his side. And interestingly, Saul dismisses Jonathan as a fool. This is to your own shame, he says. Neither you nor your kingdom will be established. You're a fool. You joined him. Saul cannot get his head around how his son, Jonathan, would, would give up everything for, jo- for David. What a waste. He doesn't get it. Jonathan's devotion has come at some cost. And Jonathan, actually, he tries to defend his friend in verse uh, 32. He says, well, why should he be put to death? What's he done? Bad move. Because he tries to defend his friend and gets treated like his friend. Verse 33 happens. Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Saul, let me just translate that. Saul hurled his spear at his son to kill him. Just like he did with David. A disciple is not greater than his master. And Jesus was not wrong. In Luke chapter 12, he says this. Do you think I came to bring peace on earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there will be five in one family divided against each other. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided. Father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. The division of families. Jonathan's devotion to his friend led to the division of his family. And it might well be the case for us. I was talking um, along these lines actually with a friend recently. And this this came to mind as I read this. Uh, This friend of mine um, is married into a situation a bit like this. Uh, His parents-in-law are former missionaries. They have two daughters. Uh, One daughter is a committed Christian. This is my friend's wife. Committed Christian. The other daughter, adamantly not a Christian. And that has obviously led to some heartache for the parents and tangible tension on some occasions in family events. My friend just interestingly, he, he just put his finger on the danger for these parents, which I thought was kind of interesting. He said they are really so keen to preserve the peace between their two daughters. They want to kind of paper over the cracks, heal any wounds, divides, prevent any friction. And he said, well, the the, the danger for them, didn't say these words, but it's what we're talking about. So the danger is they want to so avoid the division of their family that they have to dial down their devotion to their friend, Jesus. And that's where it hits the road for us as well. I wonder if you know anyone in that situation where the division of your family might well cause you to dial down that devotion. Because the teaching of Jesus, and actually Jonathan's example here, show us that 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 must not be the case. But wonderfully, it need not be the case either. Sure, our devotion to our friend may well lead to the division of our family. But it's this very devotion that we have to Jesus and he has to us, which will be the thing that helps us endure that Opposition and division too. Look at Jonathan's example. In verse uh, 38, uh, 34, sorry, he gets up from the table. He, he's pretty, pretty mad that his friend David would be treated in such a way. He doesn't think of himself. He thinks of his friend. He goes out into the field, outside the camp, to his friend David. And operation target practice is underway. He's got his bow. He's got his arrows. Shoots the arrows beyond the rock where David is hiding. And we are under no illusions. of what's happening. In verse 38, as he fires the arrows beyond David and shouts, hurry, go quickly, don't stop. Well, we know what he's saying. I mean, the the poor servant boy has no idea what's going on. It's a random place to do some target practice. But as he shouts that, we know what's going on. And David knows what is going on. David has to go. David must hurry. He can't come back. And in verse 41, after the boy had been sent away, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times with his face to the ground. And then they kissed each other and wept together. But David wept the most. They are distraught at this Enforced departure, they they have to split. They they will remain devoted to each other. The distance won't separate them, but they are distraught at this. I'm reminded of some words from a poet who said this, true friends never in part, maybe in distance, but never in heart. And as we can read this end scene, that's exactly what is going on. True friends never apart, maybe in distance, but never in heart, devoted to each other despite this distance. It's true for Jonathan and David. Do you know it's true for you and the Lord Jesus, if you're a follower of him? The distance may feel painful sometimes, but he delights in you. He's devoted to you. And he's going to come back for you. We're going to sing a song in a moment, which says this, what a friend we have in Jesus. If you remember nothing else, that's the point. David and Jonathan, wow. Jesus and his friends, wow. Let's pray, and then we'll sing. Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you that you call us friends, that you don't just leave us as servants, but you tell us, your plan, your will, your heart. And thank you that you are devoted to us and love us far more than uh, even the greatest friendship on earth. We thank you for that friendship we have with you. We pray for any here tonight or listening online who don't know that friendship yet or who are longing for friendship like that, that they might find that in the Lord Jesus even tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Mm. So I said, uh, we're going to listen to a song. We're not going to sing. If you're at home, you feel free to sing. Uh, Hum, listen, and delight that your friend Jesus delights in you.
6: Our sins and griefs to bear And what a privilege to carry Everything to God in prayer Oh, what peace we often forfeit Oh, what needless pain we bear oh because we do not care everything to God and prayer. And temptations Is there trouble Anywhere For we Should never be discouraged Come on and take it To the Lord in prayer Can we find A friend so faithful Oh, who will all our sorrows share? Cause Jesus knows our every weakness. Come and take it to the Lord and pray. heavy, laden, cumbered with a load of care, Precious Savior, still our refuge, take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise for sale? Take it to the Lord in prayer, for in His arms take
1: it shield me, and the
0: version of the song is sung by a guy called Steph McLeod. Um, And if you can't guess where he's from, from his name and the video, then there's no helping you. We're going to spend some time in prayer now to our friend. Um, We're going to pray for um, Christchurch Campbell, a church that we partner with. Ben Twiss is the pastor there. I was in touch with him this week. They are back meeting in the school uh, that they rent, um, the, the Campbell College, where they rent and meet um, and things are going well they're encouraged um, so we're going to pray for them we're going to pray for people who serve here in leadership um, at our church too so let's bow our heads and let's pray Our Father in heaven, we think of those verses that we began our service with, which spoke of the Lord Jesus giving to his church all that his church needs in the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service. We want to thank you, our gracious Father, for the gifting the Lord Jesus has made to this gathering of your people. Father, we want to thank you for the people who serve as elders, And as deacons, thank you very much, dear Father, for Adrian and Doug and Peter. Thank you for the privilege I have of serving alongside these fellow elders. Thank you for the wisdom that you have furnished them with and the love they have for the Lord Jesus. And we pray that you would continue to grow them in Christlikeness, grow them in wisdom, in love for the Lord Jesus and his people. And might that help each of us serve as elders here. In addition to the elders of this church, our Father, we want to thank you too for the deacons. Thank you for Keith and Paul and Sarah and Justin and Malcolm. Thank you for their hard work, so much of which goes on in the background, unseen, unnoticed, yet essential. Thank you for their diligence And we pray, our Father, that you would continue to strengthen them in their service. And might they know that joy of having the Lord Jesus as their friend. And might that spur them on in all that they do. Father, we want to pray for Beth too, thanking you for her as she serves on the staff team as our children's worker. Thank you for all the hard labor that she's put in these last few weeks helping get Sunday school and creche ready to start this morning. Thank you that that went so well. Thank you for gifting her to us and to the children here at our church. Father, we pray for our leaders. We realize there's lots of other people who serve in informal ways in our church family, and we thank you for the gift that they are to us. Please, dear Father, would you continue to grow all of us in our likeness to the Lord Jesus And would you use those people who have the responsibility to serve in leadership, to serve like Jesus. And we pray that you would continue to raise up new leaders to serve here in our church. People equipped with godliness and humility and gifts to serve. Father, we want to thank you too for the partnership we have with Christ Church Camborne. We thank you so much for that young church there planted just a few years ago, thank you very much uh, for the encouragement that they have known as they've got back in their building in recent weeks. Thank you for the thrill it's been for them to meet. Thank you for a good amount of space that enables them to be together. And Father, thank you that there, there are a number of folk who have started coming to church in recent weeks who wouldn't call themselves Christians, invited along by the boldness of friends, speaking to them of Christ, And we ask for these folk that you might save them and bring them to know and love the Lord Jesus as their king and as their friend. Father, pray too for the initiative that they've set up encouraging individuals to meet one-to-one with someone else from the church, uh, to pray together and spur each other on to be like David and Jonathan. We pray that that initiative would be really effective in growing deep friendships and deep devotion to you. Father, we very much want to pray for Ben as he serves as pastor. Pray too for Richard, his fellow elder, and pray that they would work well together as a team. And please, our Father, would you encourage them in their labours? And we pray too for Ben's family. Thank you for Susie and for their children, Grace, Joel, and Evie. May they be a family that knows much of your goodness and blessing. Pray that the children would enjoy it as they head along to school each day and that you'd continue to grow them as a family as they seek to love one another and help them as they serve the church there in Camborne, And all these things we pray, thanking you that you hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Our service is um, almost through. There are, as ever, just a few notices to mention to you. Important events for the week ahead to bear in mind The first thing to say is that in order to help us respond to what we've been learning from 1 Samuel chapter 20, there is a playlist of songs available on YouTube. would encourage you to avail yourself of that as we sing in response to what we have heard. Um, looking to the week ahead, uh, please do note that home groups meet on Thursday evening and then Friday daytime. I do have, that right, is Friday daytime for the daytime group. Um, those are small group Bible study groups that meet on Zoom. If you're not part of them, one of them, and you'd like to, whether you're listening in online or here in the building, do come and talk to me and we'd love to accommodate you if we could. So that's home groups meeting on Thursday and Friday. We'll be looking again at Romans chapter 5, part of what we looked at um, this morning in our morning services. Then on to next Sunday, uh, we meet again both morning and evening. In the morning, we meet for our services at 9.15 and 11.15 here in the building, with the 11.15 service being streamed live on our YouTube channel. Um, There will be Sunday school and creche at both those services. Um, We thank God for the fact that those two initiatives or things have started up this Sunday. We look forward to them continuing next week. Um, Then next Sunday evening, again, we meet in the building here at 6.30. We'd love to have you back and more people are very welcome to join us. And also this service will be streamed live on our YouTube channel. Um, I think that's all the notices that I need to give um, for the week ahead. And it's at this point that we'd say farewell uh, to the folk tuning in on live stream. We simply end with some verses from the Bible as a prayer um, before we then um, wrap up our service. Here are some verses from Romans chapter 15. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for joining us.